Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. For those of you who are managers, do you want to be that kind of manager? You want to be the kind of manager such that your employee 17 years later is still thinking about what you said? Then stop being your addict and try things you've never done before. Because that's the only way to get there. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. I'm asserting that about two-thirds of the time, your shadow, your ego, your addict, if you will, is sitting in the driver's seat of your life. And this is why we're stuck where we are. If you're listening to this, where you are right now, in some ways, is probably not where you want to be. And inevitably, we end up driving right into a wall of reality that rebuffs us for living in delusion. Because the degree to which we live inside a false reality inside ourselves is the degree to which we invite reality with a capital R to set us straight. This is why bad things happen to quote-unquote good people. Because to be a good, well-intended person does not necessarily mean you're living in reality. And so, quote-unquote, bad things happen to such people very often because it's life trying to wake them up. And they've innocently, you could say, attracted that experience so that it would wake them up. Because if you ask a thousand people what their most important and greatest learning experiences were, you'd find most of them would be talking about tragedy, wouldn't you? We learn the most from colliding with that wall of reality. That's why it's there to teach us. So to close out this series, I'm closing the loop on learning for change and offering you an alternate orientation toward life that will help you slowly shift that ratio of two-thirds to one-third eventually. And if you continue to intentionally lean into the work, kick the addiction of overwhelm altogether, you can grow quite deeply, quite quickly, and become the person you're destined to become. If you want to commit to learning for change, you can access the homework and other resources that come along with the full course at courses.clearandopen.com. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, people can solve their problems. Most people spend their entire lives chipping away at problems, trying to make them less bad instead of actually envisioning a f- near future where they're gone. And I see that that's possible if you just look at it the right way. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If it's helping you, I hope you'll do me the uh, courtesy and gesture of giving me feedback. I'd love to hear from you via email. And you can email me through the website at clearandopen.com. But if you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you got to do is open the podcast app and view the full description of this episode and then click to leave a rating and review for the show. That helps other people like you find it. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show.
When you don't let in what the teacher is giving you, and you identify with the addict that doesn't want to change, you signal to the teacher and to life that you can't, that you need to learn the hard way, that you need to learn through suffering, because a teacher is basically what they're doing in most cases. You know, like take something as innocent as a musical instrument. You spend enough time with a musical instrument, you'll figure it out, right? But that might take 20 years. If you had a teacher, you might be able to do the same thing in the same amount of time in six months, right? So you'll figure most anything out if given enough time. Hell, given enough time, you could probably figure out nuclear physics, you know, over 30 or 40 lifetimes, right? So it's not about what you're capable of or not. It's just about saving time. So when I say to someone, dude, you're overwhelmed and that makes you stupid, So you need to get out of overwhelm as quickly as possible. Here's all these examples. Here's the literature. Here's what you can do. And they wait a year and a half before really doing anything about it. They're signaling to life, I need more pain to get to light a fire under my ass to actually do something. Because the addict only changes relative to the devil you know thing, right? When the devil they know is bad enough, they'll try the devil they don't know. That's how most people relate to change. That's the default mode of change. The default mode of change is, well, I may complain about how bad things are right now, but at least I know how it is. If I try this and this and this, who knows what I'll get? So I'm going to stick with this. While the conscious personality says, oh, yeah, I really want to change. But the actions say that who's running the ship is the addict. He or she is the one with the hands on the steering wheel, you see. There's this great line from Waiting for Godot where one character says, "Uh, I can't go on like this. And the other one says, that's what you think. That's it. The addict says they can't go on like this, but their actions are like, this is fine. I could... I can do this. So that this is what explains why hitting bottom is so important. Hitting bottom is when the addict goes, okay, this I cannot abide. This is too much. We got to make a change. And then magically, it's like the person wakes up, right? You've probably known someone like this. Five years ago, I lost a job, a best friend, a business partner. My cat died. I sold a house at an $80,000 loss. And I was kicked out of the spiritual community I was in. And probably a bunch of other things I didn't think of. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But oh, man. Joseph, I think you forgot the (laughs) ex-wife. I I forgot the divorce? That's really interesting. Uh Maybe I'm finally over yeah, progress. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take that as a good thing. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah, that, at the time, that was the biggest thing. Wow, interesting. Maybe I'm finally ready to meet someone. We'll see. I have a date on Sunday. I know, which you know are like annual events for me, dates. So we'll see. Wow, thanks for that. Right, so yeah, it sucked. And like I've often said, I'm most proud that I didn't kill myself because I thought about it quite a lot. And it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. It was absolute agony. But I am so strong because of that. Like when things go wrong now, it's like laughable. Like, oh yeah, my God. I mean, I think I could go through a war and not even end up with PTSD. Because I had it. I mean, that was PTSD. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. How did I know it was what I needed? Oh, because it happened. Because you couldn't, I mean, if you saw a movie about what I went through, you wouldn't believe it. It wouldn't be credible. You'd be like, this is absurd. This would never happen to anybody. So Joseph, can I ask a question? Rebecca. Thanks. Um, it sounds like our conscious side wants to move forward and wake up and, but we're not under, we're not, how much control do we have with our, you know, how much influence do we have on our kind of life? That's one of those questions that tells me how much, how deeply you're taking this in. That is the right question. What I would say is on average, what's controlling your life is 30% you and 70% shadow. On average. In one domain, it may be different. In one moment, it may be different. But the average, the average person is driven by their addict 70% of the time. Sorry, go ahead, Rebecca. Oh, I was just going to say, meditation and the exercises you give us help uncover some of that. Absolutely. Every assignment I give anyone is about reversing that ratio. That's why they're so hard to do. Yeah, it takes more than just an hour a night. Just <laughs> they're not easy. Can you see my position? And if anybody has to go, I know we're at time, but I, clearly we're not done. I can't give assignments that will enable the addict to stay in place. I can't do it because I know it's just moving deck chairs around on the Titanic. So maybe one day I'll, I mean, my mind just, thanks, okay, I'll say it. So my mind then says like, well, isn't meeting reality where it is and meeting people where they are, doesn't that mean maybe giving them something easier so that they can feel a sense of accomplishment? Just doesn't feel true to me. Now that may shift at some point. Maybe I'm being too righteous and, you know, my ego's gone off to the races with truth and gone too far and I'm not meeting people where they are. But I mean, sure, the 15-page document or whatever, 20 pages, yeah, that was a lot. All right, and the one thing is kind of, that's challenging. But I give simple things sometimes. Redrawing an org chart so there's only one boss? How hard is that? (laughs) Catherine's like, it's really freaking hard. (laughs) Well, here's what I would say. It's only hard for the addict. So this is, it's great that this is coming out because when I give people stuff to do, the content is often quite easy, but the, the challenging work is finding the you that can actually do it. And that's part of where this comes from is like my Aikido training, for example. Um, Aikido is a martial art that was created so that the movements only work if you create an internal energetic shift in yourself. Unlike jujitsu, where it's just basically, you know, you hit the person and have your way with them. And so the founder of Aikido was a very skilled jujitsu guy, and he had some enlightenment experiences. And then Aikido came to him and he was like, well, I want to create an art that requires an internal shift so that the person only falls down if you do your work. You blend with them, you see them as, you know, you, you blend, you work with them from love. That's what the idea behind that art was. So in the same way, the the work I give people to do, it forces you to become a a bigger, better, deeper version of you. 
Good Aikido means you can't force the technique. The technique won't work unless you change. So when it doesn't work, and believe me, I mean, God, I've had nights in Aikido where the teacher makes you do one technique for two hours. And it's not until the last five minutes that you get it. And you're like on, in tears with frustration. Well, that's what the addict needs. They need to fail. That's what hitting bottom is. So dramatic conclusion. You want to turn the 70-30 thing around? Steer your own addict into its own failure. You do that. So life doesn't have to. So in meditation, for example, when you choose something to focus on, like your navel or your breath or whatever, and then your mind wanders a hundred times in 10 minutes, every time you notice you're lost in thought is a win. You woke up. Congratulations. You're not your mind. You woke up from it. You were lost in thought and then you woke up. And then it happens again and again and again and again. So you're purposely concentrating a period of time to sort of create a situation where you're going to fail a lot and learn from it. Sort of like you'd imagine how important it would be to have a few jobs before you own a business so that your failures don't have as great an impact or to date a few people before you get married. (laughs) Because otherwise, if you go all the way, and you know, uh, you marry your high school sweetheart, which usually doesn't work out. Sometimes it does. You marry your high school sweetheart. Uh, life will often smash you over the face with that because it wasn't really true. Or you know, you, any number of examples. So the idea again is true learning for change means you're subjecting yourself to greater difficulty intentionally electively than life is. That's how you insulate yourself from life having to kick your ass. The same way as an employee, if you perform your job better than your manager wants you to, your manager will never be on your ass, will they? You perform your job as if like, so the employee mentality is like, well, I'm only paid this much and I think I'm kind of underpaid. So I'm going to only do, you know, this much effort. Well, that's going to attract your manager to be on your ass because you're not doing as well as you could. And guess what? That's kind of visible as opposed to I'm going to do this job. Like I'm getting paid a million dollars an hour and rock the shit out of it. For all, for the only reason is for me, so I can be awesome at stuff because that's an expression of me. Well, then you put yourself and you put your manager in a position where they're like, "Crap, this person is underpaid. I got to figure out a way to give them a raise." And when when they don't need to supervise you, you're signaling to them that you're management material. But if you're high maintenance and needing a lot of support and whining about how underpaid you are, you're saying, I'm not management material because management is a thankless job. And the higher up you are on an org chart, the less kudos you get. That's how it is. So if you need a lot of kudos, you're telling your manager, you're not management material. 
not leadership material, depending on where you are. I remember being an employee at Emeth early on, talking to my manager about how I wanted more recognition. You know, I was an arrogant overachiever then, and I was kicking ass, and I wanted everybody to celebrate it. And she said, yeah, well, you know, we can maybe look at that, and I'll, I'll consider that. But the bigger question is, why do you need the recognition? Look into that. Now, that was 17 years ago, and I never forgot that. For those of you who are managers, do you want to be that kind of manager? You want to be the kind of manager such, such that your employee, 17 years later, is still thinking about what you said? Then stop being your addict and try things you've never done before. Because that's the only way to get there. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.